My fellow Crossroadians, welcome or welcome back to uh, Crossroads. I, you know, I, I try to come up with clever things, but it's Crossroads. That's what we do. Uh, this is Kenny. I, uh, have, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, and I did a, a podcast uh, several weeks ago and got some great feedback. Uh, thank you so much for the feedback, and just that encourages me to let me know that somebody actually listens to this. Now, it could be spam. I don't know. But anyway, uh, a lot of things going on, and excited to be here with you today. Before we get too far into this, I do want to thank Crossroads Student Ministry for uh, being our sponsor for this, and that's kind of, um, well, I it's my youth ministry, and we pay for this out of my budget, so that's why I say that they're, they're our sponsor, but it makes me feel like we're, we're just something special, which we are because we have some amazing students, amazing adults, and just excited about what God's doing. I had someone ask me a couple of weeks ago, it's like, how do you come up with your ideas for Bible studies? How do you come up with all this? And I'll be honest with you, I'm just extremely creative. Pause for laughter. Um, I, I do I do have a, a weird mind. I think of things. I see things differently than a lot of people. But one of the things I do is I listen to other people speak. Uh, of course, I listen to my pastor each week. And I have certain ministers that I, I listen to podcasts of. And uh, one of them is a guy named Ed Newton. Ed is in Texas. And I think he's in San Antonio. But uh, just a very creative guy. And I was, I was actually watching one of his services. And he he had a mailbox, and I, he would go to the mailbox each week, and he would come out with a message and deliver it to his church. And I was like, man, that's creative. Because to me, I'm a visual learner. A lot of people learn, you know, just by hearing something, they've got it. Um, some people have to, you know, put their hands on stuff to to figure out how it works, and then they understand it. Um, I, I do a little bit of all that, but if I see something, it sticks with me. So I went to a local hardware store and uh, just got one of those just tiny mailboxes that you you know screw into the side of your house if you live in the city, uh, and they drop your mail there by your door. And um, each week I would go to the mailbox and I would pull just a, a little piece of mail out and I would deliver the message to the students. And it was just it was just a fun way for me to start the interaction of that day. And uh, as I went to it the first day, I, I just stopped before I did. And I asked our students, how many of y'all check the mail? And I, I will honestly say that I was surprised by how many students raised their hand that they actually go to a mailbox and check the mail. Now, for, for me, that was that was a huge thing as a kid. I loved going to the mailbox. Um, you know, I grew up in a different time where when the sun came up and after you got up and had breakfast, my mother would say, all right, go outside. I'll call you when it's time to come in. We didn't sit inside. There weren't video games. There wasn't the Internet. So, you know, we went outside and we played with dogs and ran from snakes and things like that. But the mailbox for me was probably 200 yards away. Maybe. I don't know. It, it was a long way from our house and, and as a child taking little steps. Uh, but that was like my first bit of independence. I could go to the mailbox by myself. And I remember when we moved to the house where I live now with my wife and my son, uh, that was one of his, and it still is one of his daily things that he has to do. My wife says it's one of your chores, but that word just sounds really country to me. 
But each day he checks the mail, and I found out that a lot of students do. And you know, that's just part of of life. Even though we're in such a digital world, there are still there's still a lot of people that that's the way they get information out. And we talked about how the the postal service started. I mean, even back in biblical days, you saw where messages were sent by messengers uh, throughout the nations. And then you know, we come to the United States, and we uh, 1775. Blah blah blah. Pony Express in 1860, um, and you know it's just it's amazing how information gets from one place to another. And so I told them, I said, each week I'm going to go in the mailbox, and God's going to deliver mail because that's one of the the things that even today as an adult I know I need to check the mail every day because there's probably going to be something important for me. And as I pulled out the stack of mail, there was a list or just a handful of things. There were sales papers. There was information about upcoming trips that we were going to do. A lot of different things. And I told him, I said, you know, just like this mail, uh, you've got to go through all this mail to find the one piece of information that you really need. And the world is throwing so many things at you as teenagers, at us as adults. And we really have to weed through a lot of things to find what God's wanting us to hear. And the message that God wanted us to hear that night and the message that I want to say to you is simply you're more than your mistakes. And, and again, as I said earlier, I listened to Ed Newton a good bit, and that was one of his messages. And I took the, his message and just said, man, that's, that's some, there's some meat on that bone. I needed to hear that. And in sharing with our students, I told them, I said, you know, I don't know that this message is for you guys, but it, it really feels like something I need to hear. Because a lot of times I get weighed down by the mistakes that I have made. And at times, you know, I feel like I can't get past my mistakes, that what I've done is just too bad. And that's what I wanted our students to hear. Mistakes are something that we're all going to make. We've made them throughout our life. We will continue to make them until the day we die. And there, there's different levels of mistakes. You know, there, there are small mistakes like, oh, I forgot to carry the one when I was adding this or uh, one of my sons. I, I don't know if you can say favorite mistakes, but one of the most common mistakes is he forgets to change the garbage bag. He'll take a garbage out, but he forgets to rebag. And my wife has a beautiful way of screaming rebag in our house. And it's become a big, funny thing that we do now. But those are small mistakes. Those aren't that big of a deal. But then we have the big mistakes in our life, big things that could could potentially uh, bring us great harm. I wasn't paying attention and I, I ran through a traffic light. Or maybe maybe one of our friends shared something in confidence, and, and we didn't we didn't think anything about it, but we ended up going in and telling someone else about it. And before you know, social media's got a hold of it, and the whole world seems to know. My son and I were driving down the, one of the roads the other day, and and we came across the remains uh, of a gruesome accident. And gruesome might be an exaggeration, but if you've ever been in an accident, regardless of how big or how small it is, it, it was it just it's awful. And as we were driving by, you could see where the fluid from the vehicles, hopefully it was vehicles, was all over the street still. I mean, they had cleaned the the, the wreckage up, and the cars were gone. There was no one around, but you saw what was remained there, and one. Of the most helpless feelings or one of the worst feelings is when you were the one that made the mistake that caused some serious damage. Uh, as, as a kid, I was at one of my friend's houses and he said, hey, let's go get a movie. Now, for some of you, uh, maybe some of you are listening. To that, that's not going to make a bit of sense to you. We used to drive into town to a store. Store was called Berry's. Plug for all our Chilton County or Jemison people probably be all that knew that. But we go to Berry's and you would rent a VCR tape of whatever movie you wanted, you go back and you watch the movie. So we're we're going into town to do that, and I had a Chevrolet Blazer, 
and I uh, had a big sound system in it. To me, it was big, had big bass in it. And I'm thumping as I'm coming to an intersection. And it had been raining that day. And I, did, I wasn't really paying attention because I had the music going and we was cutting up with my friends. And uh, I put on the brakes. And when I did, the, the brakes locked up and I slid into the intersection and I got T-boned by a car. And I just remember sitting there watching the car come in slow motion, it felt like. And as it hit me, you know, it just it just destroyed that car. That that blazer. And I remember looking at it and just thinking, gosh, I can't believe I did that. And then once my parents came and picked me up, you know, I saw the concern in their face because I was in an accident. Then I saw the concern in their face because I was like, how are we going to afford to fix this? Even though we had insurance, there was a deductible and we just didn't have money. And I remember walking outside uh, once I got home and every day for several weeks, I would go outside and, and my blazer wasn't there. And I was so upset just because it was my fault. And it was something that I couldn't get over. For the longest time, I moped around and I sulked. And, and every time I would go out, I would look and I'd just be so upset. And, and as silly as it is, it's just a car. But after the accident, I thought about how hard my family had worked to get that for me. The sacrifice they had made in an instant because of my negligence, because I wasn't paying attention, because of a mistake. Um... It was gone. And the day came when I got the car back and everything's fine or got the blazer back and everything's fine. But I was still from time to time when I have moments of guilt because I knew the sacrifice that my parents had initially made, what they had to sacrifice during the time to get the car fixed. And it always just bothered me. Or if someone else reminded me of that, it bothered me. And, and one of the things that we find in God's scripture in, in Romans chapter eight, verse one is, or one and two, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life, set me free from the law of sin and death. And in reading that passage of scripture, I mean, it's it's to me, it just it breathes life back into me because I know that there are times that. That because of what I've done, I feel like there's no forgiveness that I could get, that that Jesus couldn't forgive me. But right there in the scripture, uh, it says that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to seek and to save those that were lost. In reading scripture, I've always been told when you see therefore, you've got to see what it is there for. And when you read this passage, it's pointing back to Romans chapter 8. And in a, a passage I jokingly call the do-do passage is because Paul says do so many times. It says, I, uh, I guess Romans chapter 7, verse 14, starting at 14, it says, we know that, that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not want to do. But what I hate to do, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, I am no longer, I, I, as it is, no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I read that passage, and, and if you continue to read that, it's going to give you a lot more understanding about it. But in reading that passage, uh, I feel so much like Paul. Paul's one of those guys I really connect with because he beats himself up from so many times. And, and that's what he's doing there. And I believe all of us who have received Christ as our Lord, when we find ourselves in that sin, when we find ourselves in that mistake, um, 
not to say that sin's a mistake. That maybe that's a different topic altogether. But we'll just we'll just go with with when we find ourselves in that mistake, we beat ourselves up because we know that's not what we want to do. We know that's not who we are. We know that's what not what we stand for. And we find ourselves saying, "Man, I know I want to do what's right, but I find myself not doing what's right." And Paul, he does an amazing job writing this over 2,000 years ago that would be so relevant to us today. And then you move into chapter 8, which a lot of scholars say is probably the greatest chapter in the Bible. We find Paul telling us that there is a promise in Christ. My promise in Christ, you know, in in chapter seven, uh, he's talking about what a wretched man am I, you know, rescue me from this body of death. And then praise be to our God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I am no longer a slave to sin, but I belong to Christ. This is your promise. When you surrender yourself to Jesus Christ, not when you say certain words from a prayer, not when you have an emotional uh, time in your life, not not when you just get the warm fuzzies, but when you genuinely make a surrender to Christ, there's a promise that you no longer have to live in sin. You were free from living in that sin. So that's a beautiful promise that we have in Christ. And that's something that helps us remind that our mistakes, they don't define who we are. They, that's not who I am. The mistakes that I made as a kid, and I will tell you this, as a minister for close to 30 years now, um, I, will, I will see people from time to time that I grew up with. And they're like, so what do you do now? And I said, well, I'm a youth pastor. And they'll go, Really? You're a youth pastor. And I go, yeah. And I always say, you know, I made enough mistakes for everybody. So I try to keep kids from going down the same path I did. And, you know, I'm still defined by some of those things in other people's eyes. But in my eyes and in God's eyes, I am becoming what he desires me to be, a child of his that follows him. And that's a promise that Christ gives us is that we can do that. Uh, So we've got a promise in Christ. We've got a position in Christ. John 3.16, a verse that we all know and understand that God so loves us so much that he gave his only son, uh, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's a hard thing for us to understand or even believe that Christ could forgive us after, after all that we do, after all that we've done. It's hard for us to believe that he can forgive us and he will forgive us. If we truly ask for forgiveness and repent and repent is one of those hardest things. And it goes back to that wretched man am I will we'll ask God to forgive us of our sins. But we find ourselves going back to that from time to time. And it's the weight that that weight many times is what keeps us from moving on. But your position in Christ is the fact that he's not here to condemn you. And I think a lot of people get in their mind that that if if. I make a mistake. God's sitting in heaven just waiting for me to make a mistake and he's going to strike me down. But we read John three sixteen, but a lot of folks don't go into 17 and 17 says, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The guilt of sin, the guilt of of our shame. That's not what Christ is about. He got rid of that. The, the, the term justified is just as if I had never sinned. So the condemnation that, that we feel is not from Christ. It's sin. It's from Satan. Satan wants you to believe that you're still a slave to sin and that you're guilty. But that's that's Satan's last hope of controlling you. 
Um, like that dog that's been on a leash for so long. Um, we're fortunate. I live in the country, and we've got a, a beautiful German Shepherd, and and she's not on a leash. She has free reign to run through the woods and chase things. And boy, it's turned cold here, and the deer are running, and she's chasing deer all night. Um, but I've seen places, and I've seen people who put their dogs on chains. And this is not a humanitarian thing. This is just or a canine thing. Anyway. Um, You know, that dog understands I can only go so far and that dog will run to the limit of that chain and it will stand there and bark or it will sniff or it will do whatever it can. But it knows its boundaries. But then when when that chain is removed, that dog will still find itself going to the edge and stopping until one day it takes its first step over that edge and it realizes it's free. And when that dog finds that it's truly free, he takes off running and he, he, you can see that that dog is just having the best life because it's no longer chained to that sin. Uh, person, Christian, follower, that's you. The sin that, that you carry or the shame that you carry because of the mistakes you've made, you're bigger than that. And the reason you're bigger than that, you're more than that because Christ has forgiven you of those sins. You don't have to have that chain on you anymore. You're free. So... Be free. Run. And that leads us to my closing thought. Your privilege in Christ. Romans 8 and going to the mailbox each week, um, it was it was just a way for me to to get a message out to to people. And it's a reminder that the mistakes that I made, I'm no longer part of that. And it took me getting this this message in my mind of how I can convey it to my kids for me to truly accept that that the privilege that I have in Christ is I don't have to live that life. I don't have to be weighed down. Uh, one of the things that that Ed Newton shared in his message, and I just love the illustration, was a tractor pull. Me being a country boy. Been around tractors a good bit, um, and one of the things that that I've seen from time to time in these monster truck rallies and stuff, they'll have something called a tractor pull, and that tractor pull is, is this huge tractor with engines all over it, and there's a big sled behind it, and as that sled's behind it, there's an official that gives him a thumbs up and it tells him he can go, and he starts pulling that weight just as hard as he can, and smoke's blowing and mud's flying everywhere, and as that tractor is leaping forward. That weight continues to get closer and closer to him. And at some point, it gets so close to him, it's almost on top of him, and it completely stops him in his track. And as he sits there, there's nothing else he can do. There's nothing else he could do. And then there's there's a man that comes out. And as Ed shared this story, he said, the man comes out and he's wearing an all-white suit. And he said, he walks up between the tractor and that trailer that has all the weight on it. And he releases a pin. And when he releases that pin, he walks away, looks at the driver, gives him a thumbs up, and that driver is free to go. That's the privilege that we have in Christ. The sin that we have that stopped us in our tracks. When Christ took that sin on the cross, when Christ died for our sin, it is at that moment of our surrender that he pulls that pin and says, you don't have to stay here in this sin anymore. You're free to live. Jesus has set you free. And it's time that we live that way. We live in a world that is looking for something. They are hurting for something. They are, there is a desire for them to, to find freedom. 
And the freedom is not found on who sits in, in the presidential room. It's not found in who sits at the head of the board of, a, of, of an office. It's not found in, in getting your driver's license and having that freedom. True freedom is found in a surrender to Jesus Christ. And that's something that's hard for us to wrap our mind around because when we hear the word surrender, we think defeat. But a true surrender to Christ is the greatest victory you will ever receive. My hope, my prayer from you is that something in this mindless banter that seems to come from my mouth would would maybe maybe give you some direction. Uh, I would encourage you read the read the 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 chapter, uh, the book of Romans, chapter eight. Read that chapter and find out more about what that freedom is all about. And, and as always, thank you for being a part of this podcast. Uh, I would encourage you and just ask you to. Send me some responses. Uh, you can go to uh, my webpage, Kenny.Martin. Nope, nope, that's not right. Kenny Crossroads. Uh, and there's a, a link where you can send me an email from there. I would love to hear from you. Get your thoughts on on topics. Uh, give me some feedback. Uh, we'd just love to hear from you. And uh, if there's anything I could pray about for you, I ask that you let me know because I would love to be a prayer partner for you. Uh, thanks again for listening to this podcast. And I pray that God will continue to rock your face off. See you.